From consumer insights across the world to the latest tactics and trends, you're listening to Leap Into Luxury, the go-to marketing podcast for luxury brands. I'm Natalie, and today we're talking to Annika Meller, Chief Strategy Officer at Anina Bing, the global fashion powerhouse inspired by Scandinavian simplicity and powered by American energy. The eponymous brand is now in their 12th year of business and growing stronger by the day. Former model Anina set up the brand from a garage in Silver Lake, Los Angeles in 2012. Fueled by Bing's huge personal profile on social media and the wide appeal of her timeless yet modern and affordable luxury pieces, the brand is now a global success and this month is rolling out their latest campaign fronted by Kate Moss. Annika, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. So you've been with the brand from the very beginning. Um, it must have been incredible to see how much the business has scaled and in the last decade and be so involved in that process. Could you tell us a little about your journey so far with Anina Bing? Yes, of course. So Anina and Nico, they started the company in June 2012, and I joined as the first hire in August of that same year. Um, and the first few years of the business, we did everything from packing orders, customer service to dreaming big. And, you know, we built this company together brick by brick with a focus on creating a healthy and solid business and where brand building has been at the center of of, of absolutely everything that we've done. My own background is that I have a master in business and economics and where brand marketing is my specialty. But naturally, I've been wearing so many different hats depending on the <laughs> business needs. And so for many years, I, I was our CEO, but stepped into the chief strategy role in 2020, I believe it was. And so today, the business has grown to more than 200 employees. And over the years now, we've been able to hire specialists across the board. So the last few years, we have all been able to sort of hone in on, on the specific areas of the business where, where we are the strongest. I, I sit on the executive team and I oversee brand marketing, creative services and HR. Incredible. And to have such a kind of insight into every element of the business must afford you an amazing amount of kind of insight into how, how things are and where they need to go as well. Yes, absolutely. But also there's something to be said for for all those hats that you were wearing at the beginning for for packing, for getting your hands kind of stuck into to every aspect of it. There's something to be said for how um, you've built a relationship with the brand as well and how that's gone on for years now and then how that feeds back into the work that you're doing now. But at, at what point did you know things were going to skyrocket to the to the place that they are now? Uh, you know, it's it's so many small moments across the years. I think mm. when you build a company from the ground up, so much of it is to recognize the smaller wins and, and sort of see progress on a, on a smaller scale. It's important to have milestones and, and feel that you're making that progress to keep you going. One of the big ones, and this was really early on, it was when Rosie Huntington rightly stepped into our small and very humble office in, in Silver Lake and picked out <laughs> her favorite pieces. And a day later, seeing her in the Daily Mail, wearing a Nina Bing head wow. to toe. But then even more so than seeing orders coming through our system from customers all over the world wanting those same pieces and and that 
was definitely a, a, a big moment for us, seeing how it was all connected. But I think overall, you know, seeing women on the streets, uh, different parts of the world wearing our blazers and shoes and, and sweaters and just realizing that, that the brand has sort of grown to have that white footprint and, and global recognition. There's nothing that makes me more proud than that. What would you say your biggest challenges are as a brand? I mean, you have seemingly endless wins. <laughs> there must be some, some challenges. <laughs> oh, yes, definitely. <laughs> Absolutely. Macroeconomics aside, last year, we were fortunate enough to grow more than 20% top line. Um, we're a profitable business with zero debt. So, um, you know, this means that we can control our own destiny. Mm. And, and we're in a very fortunate position that way. With that said, a growing business means that you need to keep a very close eye on your inventory, not only to make sure that you have enough inventory, but the right inventory and that it sits in the right places. So we have 24 retail doors and, and counting more to come this year. And we have a, a really strong and, and solid wholesale business and obviously our e-commerce business as well. So just making sure that we can fuel our revenue channels at all times, depending on you know the customer needs and wants. It's, it's something that our team is laser focused on and we can never really take our eyes off. And then with having more than 200 employees across the world, also making sure that we're all holding hands, walking in the same pace towards the same sort of North Star and uh, everyone being tapped into to our mission. And, and what we're here to do is, is always something that you need to pay a lot of attention on, honestly. Yeah, definitely. It's it's lovely having so many employees, but it does mean that everyone has to kind of keep walking that same path, which is hard. Yeah, yeah. But it's quite easy when you've got such a clear sort of distinct brand that, that has been set out by Anina and yourselves to the point where you're not a brand, and forgive me or correct me if I'm wrong, that follows trends that kind of picks up certain things that are happening in the scene and then drops them later on, which surely means that you can only grow from strength to strength, essentially. You're not kind of jumping on the bandwagon of certain things, trying to be that next trending product. Would you say that that's been something you've done on purpose? Um, uh, or, or is this just a reflection of how you guys feel? No, absolutely. It's it's been a very deliberate move. So we we are focused on timeless and effortless and and classic pieces that stand the test of time. Um, it's always been part of the brand strategy and and DNA and something that you know Anina had had a very sort of clear mindset on. And we're here to build a modern day fashion house and. The brand designs every piece with the modern woman top of mind. And we want to create these building blocks in, in her wardrobe. And so far it resonates with her. She keeps coming back and, and continue to build out her wardrobe with, with our brand. So we're very grateful for that. I mean, um, timeless kind of iconic looks. It makes sense that you would partner with the likes of Kate Moss on your latest campaign. Again, a timeless icon. It feels like everything has been so thoroughly thought through. Obviously, speaking to the chief strategy officer, here, I'm imagining that's your, that's your influence there. So when it does come to allowing that modern woman to express herself through these staple Anina Bing pieces, who is the person that you're speaking to when you're creating them? What is your, your customer persona? 
Our customer really ranges and, and we're lucky to have such a strong and loyal consumer base that spans different demographics. But our core customer, I would say, are females in the 20s to 50s with an interest in fashion. She is looking for these timeless and uh, classic wardrobe staples that make her look and feel confident. And and again, as I mentioned before, you know, she wants to invest in quality pieces that stands the test of time. And, and we're lucky that she's coming back to us for those pieces. It's fantastic to see because the brand and the, the pieces that you're putting out, like you say, are so timeless, but they also flex with the different consumers. So I've seen women in Paris, for example, wearing Anina pieces maybe a little more put together than we would in London and they look a bit more polished, but the style of the brand just flexes so easily with each woman in each kind of area. Yeah, and I think we're creating a canvas for her where she can really put her own personal style and, and mix and match depending on other pieces she might have in her closet, right? So I think that is one of the reasons why we've seen such a success with sort of our classic collection. But then obviously we have our seasonal collections where a few pieces are more trendy, so to speak. But um, we're, we're trying to give her a little bit of everything but where the majority is is quite classic. So speaking of those customers what kind of marketing methods are you finding they're most receptive to at the moment? Um, good question well I think what we've seen being very successful for us is to have a toolbox full of different tactics. I think the most important thing is that she recognizes us no matter where she goes so a few years ago we started tapping into sort of more traditional marketing methods working with billboards and the traditional marketing tactics that most luxury brands are kind of known for but at the same time obviously being very present on social media has always been very crucial for us and and again just showing up where in her daily life and making sure that we become top of mind for her has been very important for us. I saw your wild posts actually you were doing lots of um, fly postering or wild posting for a little bit um, and they looked incredible it's such a beautiful kind of historic way of marketing that's been brought back in more recent years in such a trendy fashionable way it's the sort of juxtaposition I suppose between this beautiful imagery or beautiful kind of items pieces against everyday life and it's a lovely and refreshing way for consumers to be marketed to in a way that's not nearly as invasive as they've found you know digital marketing methods to be lately which is really nice it's nice to see when brands do that I agree yeah it's nice to see people leaning back into mm -hmm. the old ways but talking of the kind of more tech savvy customer so people who are used to engaging with you on the social media platforms you know that's something we talk about a lot on this podcast at the moment is the technological and even just platform advances with AI and AR and the metaverse, which is something that kind of terrifies me, frankly, um, and even TikTok, which has really disrupted things. You know, it operates in a completely different way to any other social platform. Some brands have chosen to dive into these newer mediums and some have been a bit more cautious when adopting them. What's your take on these new tools? Yeah, so we we lead with what we believe is best for, for brand and we don't rely too heavily on one specific platform. Ultimately, we want to be where our customer is and this is the most critical. So if it does end up happening, we'll obviously evaluate the social landscape closely and determine along with our community what is the next move. We've been tapping into TikTok. We obviously had a huge presence on Instagram right from 
creative start. And, you know, we're trying to learn as we go and, and see what resonates. With that said, brand is extremely important to us. It has always been and will continue to be. So we need to make sure that wherever we are present, it feels on brand, if that makes sense. Yeah, exactly. And I guess with, you know, TikTok, I saw a stat that said your UGC was up 70%, which is absolutely incredible. But it does mean then I guess you have less control as the brand and it's a delicate balance, isn't it? It's that that kind of evolution. Yeah, absolutely. With that UGC and that online community, I suppose, that's been built up over, you know, since day one, I guess, how have you embraced drop culture around that? And what kind of effect has that had on brand sentiment? So weekly drops have always been part of, of our strategy since mm. since we first launched. We knew that we needed to take an innovative approach to be recognized and trusted as an authority in the marketplace. And we knew that we needed to keep the consumer engaged. And this is why we decided to focus on, on the see now, buy now model, which at the time was breaking new grounds in the industry. It, it was a and really any brands that did that at the time. But we saw that it really resonated with our consumers. They kept coming mm -hmm. back, wanting to see that newness. And in addition to it, we sort of built out our classic collection. So she knew that these are the pieces we're always going to keep in stock. She can always come back to them. But where the sort of seasonal collection, we divided into these weekly drops. And, and having that newness was definitely successful for us. I guess also quite relevant as well to your audience who are, like you say, so socially engaged and that constant newness is almost an expectation. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think obviously over time, more and more companies and brands have started to to take on this model. And, and, you know, I understand why, because it gives you as a brand something to always speak to. And, and we all know that you're going to stay relevant and you have to come up with new things to market to your customers in, in order for that engagement to, to be there. Yeah, totally. Talking of relevant, <laughs> how pivotal do you think Anina's personal social media following has been in the success of the brand? I mean, she's obviously wildly successful on Instagram. Yeah, it's been hugely important. This brand was, was born on social media and Instagram has been such an amazing marketing channel for us throughout our history. Um, and having Anina at the forefront of this channel with her large community and, and community that she built throughout the years, right, has been enormously impactful. We were definitely one of the first brands to see the power of social media. When Anina Nico launched the brand and, and when I joined, I think we had a few thousand of followers on, on Instagram. And so, you know, the timing of when the brand was launched and also the growth of Instagram couldn't have been couldn't have been better and over the years we've been able to really become a community-driven brand and and where we built out this enormously loyal customer base and it continues to grow which is fantastic to see when the brand is so intertwined with anina and her personal brand how do you separate that and strategize for social media content for 
the brand separate to Anina? The brand was built with the intention of being able to stand on its two feet. And obviously, in, in the early days, Anina's presence was 100%, right? But I think our social strategy reflects that fact that we've, we've been very focused on making sure that the brand can stand uh, stand alone. And as our global awareness and present grows and evolves, we've crafted strong positioning that, that guides the brand and therefore also our social strategies point of view separate from Anina so that she can continue to, to share the things that she authentically loves sharing with her community and the community the community wants to see and that being her life and her experiences and behind the scenes at work and and so forth but striking a balance between the luxury landscape and the familiarity of our customer may feel you know it can be delicate for sure but our community has proven that they are here for it uh, they want both uh, and more and more people today especially across the younger generations are actually coming in through the brand's presence first but it's something that we you know continue to keep a close eye on and we want to have presence in both We've spoken a lot about social media and that makes sense with a brand like yours that was almost, you know, born out of that. But you you do also do a lot of physical activations and more traditional media. When it comes to those kind of activations, has the pandemic or the cost of living crisis, for example, made any changes to your strategy? Or I guess it obviously would have made changes, but are they changes that you are going to take forwards with the, as, as the brand grows? Well, I mean, uh, overall, the brand is very thoughtful and, and deliberate when it comes to, to our strategies and taking into account um, brand priorities and, and profitability. It is super important for us and it has been from day one that we have a healthy business that is profitable and that we can control our own destiny. I mean, the pandemic and when it hit, like, oh my God, uh, we, we saw challenges across the board. Um, and, you know, with everyone starting to work from home, that meant that all our processes and strategies had to pivot. We were fortunate enough to be quite quick to adapt and started to produce pieces that we could see that our customers really wanted to fit into the wardrobes at the time. So, for example, we launched Anina Being Sport during the pandemic and, and naturally a lot of our marketing strategies were kind of pulled back. We knew she wasn't out and about in the same way that she'd been previously. And at, at the same time, when we all were released back into reality, we, <laughs> we decided to open up our marketing spend again and, and quickly sort of go back to the things that we knew worked before and, and test into new things as well. So, I think key to success here is that even though our business now is so much bigger, trying to continue to have that entrepreneurial mentality and and having your ears really close to the ground and not being afraid of making mistakes and also learn as you go and figuring out what actually resonates. Like we, we know things change really quickly and, and we just got to be quick on our feet to adapt to it. Luckily, you've got a sports range. Yes. <laughs> the pandemic saw a really big boom in e-commerce sites, in kind of luxury fashion houses going online, something that they were hesitant to do pre-pandemic. And since then, now that we're all sort of back and out and about, you guys have plans to expand a lot more of your retail sites. Is that right? Yeah. So 
over the last, let me get the fact straight here. I think over the last 18 months, we've opened 50 new retail doors and, and more to come. Wow. Yeah, I know. It's absolutely crazy. Um, but retail has always been such an important part of the Anina Bing brand. We're super focused on global expansion. And these retail doors, they serve as a place for us to showcase the Anina Bing lifestyle across the board. They're super important for brand building for us. And naturally, they also play a role in supporting our other revenue channels, e-commerce, of course, but but also wholesale. They ultimately, in many ways, they are like a big billboard for us. But our customers being able to touch and feel the product and getting that one-on-one styling advice from our amazing staff and also being able to, from time to time, see those exclusive product offerings. Retail has always been and will continue to be important for us. You mentioned um, global expansion there, and I did read that you had launched on Tmall um, to continue the brand expansion into China, which is a massive move, and congratulations on doing that. Could you... Could you tell us why you've chosen to go that way? Um, yeah, so I think it was about a little bit more than 18 months ago now that we launched our Tmall business. And we've seen tremendously strong results. And that gives us confidence to to continue to invest in the market. We, Anina and I and, and Olivia, our COO, and our um, VP of brand marketing, Erin. Uh, we went out there in, in September of, of last year and um, had our first ever brand activation to celebrate the launch of our Kate Moss campaign. Um, it was tremendously successful as well. So all of these facts made us confident to continue to do more. So we're opening our first retail door now in January and wow. we're going to have, yeah, we're going to have four doors in China opening this year. So it will be a very very busy year for us and super exciting super exciting what cities are you opening in uh so we're going to be in shanghai beijing in shenzhen um and yeah so those three cities to start with incredible we will have a good variety yes book your flights now guys (laughs) nice okay so just to get this straight we're opening more retail stores we're expanding into China. We're growing exponentially. We're partnering with Kate Moss. What else are we doing? What's in What's in the works, Annika? Can you give us a little insight into what you've got planned? Do we need to do more? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where you go from there. <laughs> no, um, I mean, 2024 will be such a busy year for us. What What's so amazing is I've, I've obviously been with the brand now since uh, 2012 and Every year, it just gets more and more exciting. I can't believe it. But in addition to all of the things you, you've listed here, if we just take a focus on, on sort of our product. So we've identified a few focus categories being shoes and handbags specifically. In 2021, we launched our first like real big brand marketing campaign with a bag that we call the Nico bag, named after our CEO and, and husband of Anina. And since then, we've been able to identify, you know, the sort of ideal positioning of that category, both from a design perspective, but also price and quality. And, and we believe that we have a lot of opportunity with, with that category alone and shoes as well. So 
We've invested into um, our design team. Uh, we brought in additional experts in these categories to support the growth. And, and naturally, we will also push these categories from a marketing standpoint. So you'll see more from us when it comes to shoes and handbags and yeah, just focusing in on, on those categories. But uh, no doubt 2024 will be another busy year for, for the team and, and for the brand overall. So stay tuned. I mean, that all sounds great, Annika, but it does not sound great for my bank balance because uh, <laughs> you had me yeah. at shoes and handbags. Yeah. I have a shoe problem, so this isn't good. <laughs> well, I'm glad to hear that in a way. Amazing. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us, Annika. This has been so great. I cannot wait to see what you come up with in 2024. Oh, well, thank you yeah. for having me. Where do you go from Kate Moss? Yeah, exactly. Well, thank you for having me. Thank you for being a fan of the brand. And uh, I hope to see you in person soon. Thank you. Thanks so much for joining us. And enjoy that warm weather in LA. We're very jealous here in London. <laughs> Will do. If you enjoyed this episode, follow us at Leap Into Luxury Podcast on Instagram for updates on who we'll be speaking to next.